0: hand, Sagittarian Matters, we talk about depression, pickup artists, comics, queerness, magicians, and more, with my guest, Joey Allison Sayers. Stay tuned. Sagittarian Matters. Sagittarian Matters. What's the Hello from Los Angeles, California. I come to you this week as sick as a dog. Uh, but actually, Panyo has never been this sick. I'm looking at her right now. She is quite healthy, wearing her headphones, giving me a thumbs up from the booth. But I'm coming to you to say a few things. Number one. I did comedy again this week at Clown Town, hosted by Michelle T. and Allie Lebegott. I have so much adrenaline going through my body when I do that. I don't know how I don't die. Or at least have a stroke, at the very least. I told jokes about wearing adult diapers. I told jokes about eating onions as a single person. I told jokes about Tinder and my period, and apparently that's the kind of comic I am now. I also told a joke about somebody with a parrot tongue. Have you ever kissed somebody like that? Like a muscular, thick tongue that is similar to a parrot's? Like a parrot uses that to like get the meat out of nuts. It's a really strong thing, and it's Quite a surprise when you're not expecting it. Okay, um, other things I want to tell you are that I think Vega vegan protein drink is the slim fast of my generation. I think that Soylent is no different than Insure, the senior citizen beverage. I think that overnight pads are not so different from Depends. Neither are Thinks, Peering Underwear, that different from Depends. So why don't we all just start wearing adult diapers, uh, chugging Insure if it's vegan? eating prunes, watching the Golden Girls, just call it a day. Why, why put on airs? Why all the pretense? Okay, that was probably really exciting for you to hear. Uh, the last thing I want to say is my guest this week, Joey Allison Sayers, her name has the same number of syllables as the podcast, and so I want to sing this for you before I introduce her. <clears throat> joey allison sayers joey allison sayers nothing's the matter with her joey allison sayers please enjoy my talk with joey allison sayers Joey Allison Sayers is a cartoonist based out of Oakland, California, where she lives with her wife, two kids, and a dog named Salamander. She is the author of more than 25 mini-comics. Her work has appeared in Best American Comics and Mad Magazine, and she's a regular contributor to The Nib. I had the pleasure of chatting with her this week from the Sagittarian Matters Infirmary slash podcasting studio with Nurse Ponyo standing by. Please enjoy my talk with joey allison sayers one of our i asked some people for advice questions and one of them mm-hmm. i had to say this isn't advice it was just a question question but she wanted to know okay. how you how you think of punchlines all the time how do you keep cranking out uh-huh. funny material
1: wow um i have a broken brain and it works uh, it works well for some things and not well for others. Um, I think I don't know it's just the, it's just the way my brain works honestly. I just uh, uh, I just kind of think of silly things all the time. Um, and I don't know, honestly, I think it is part of being I've just always kind of been like a little bit of an outcast and a little bit depressed and a little bit creative and I think those things together. Um, kind of for me at least coalesced into sort of into like a humor a humor vein which is good for me rather than like a more depressive type of place not that I haven't had those (laughs) long long stretches in my life but uh but yeah I don't know I mean I wish I knew because then I could control it more but they'll just things just come to me at random times do you
0: ever have a deadline with the nib or some other website and you're like, "Oh my god, I don't have a joke this week." Or like I don't uh,
1: Yeah, absolutely. What do you do? Um, well, one of the greatest fuels for my creativity is stress and pressure. So, usually if I if I get to the point where I'm just really freaking out about not having something ready for a deadline, uh the just the sheer force of anxiety and and stress will usually force something out just something will just pop out like a like pus from a zit
0: oh wow yeah. <laughs>
1: <laughs> and I, just as beautiful
0: i was just thinking i kind of also when students or people are like how do you stay productive i'm like paint yourself into a corner
1: yeah yeah you know like yeah when i totally when i um like when i when i was taking like creative writing courses and poetry courses in in school um i did my best work like the 20 minutes before i had to go to class so i would just sit at my desk and start sweating profusely and then something would just come out and that would be the stuff that i ended up being the most proud of and that got the best uh the best reactions from my peers so
0: would you say i know you guys labored over this assignment but i did it Five minutes ago, <laughs> yeah.
1: Yeah. I totally crapped this one out. So thank you for your kudos, but
0: uh, <laughs> like I'm glad you liked it. Um, you so you write some comics about anxiety and depression, yeah, which I think is so valuable.
1: Thank you. Yeah i I feel it's really important. Um, I feel like mental health issues are not as uh, aren't aren't talked about as much as I think they should be. And as someone who's suffered from uh, both of those things, anxiety and depression, for uh, since I was born, basically. Um, I, I often think about how how if, I, if they had been more normalized to me growing up, I wouldn't have thought of myself as being so uh, so messed up and so just wrong. Like I, I didn't know. I didn't even know what depression was. I, I sort of thought that it was uh, sort of natural to just hate yourself and fall into deep, dark wells of sadness and despair. Um, I didn't know that that was something that you could change Or work to change well,
0: Yeah, me neither I was um, like, you're just going to cry And you're yeah. going to listen to this depressing music
1: And cry yeah, some more yeah. and
0: feel very isolated
1: Right, don't we all just lay in the basement With the lights off And the Cure playing on the stereo For hours at a time I, I thought that was just part of the normal human experience Um and it is, and I, I think that's what I, I really wanted to just kind of normalize it, and and I use my comics and a little bit of humor to just, I don't know, let people know that um, it's okay. It's not great. I wouldn't wish depression on anybody, but um, if you suffer from it, you know, there's there's ways there's ways out, and there's other people out there like you. So, which honestly is like kind of similar to my take on approaching queer com queer topics in comics is that just kind of putting things out there um, and talking a little bit about my own experiences will hopefully help some folks uh, feel more comfortable talking about their experiences and help just move things forward a little bit for all of us
0: I think you have one of the only queer parenting comics that I've seen
1: yeah? Oh, yeah. That's
0: cool. or one of the only trans parenting comics that I've seen
1: yeah there aren't a lot of those for sure um and that's kind of a fraught place for me, uh, subject matter-wise. I never, I always have mixed feelings about approaching that. Um, mostly because I, well, two things. I, I'm i out as trans in varying degrees in my life. Um, like I'm pretty open about it online, um, but less so um, out in like the regular world, <laughs> The um, And then, as far as like, so so, and and then when I start doing comics, then those worlds tend to to combine a little bit, you know, uh, like coworkers who follow me on Facebook and you know see a link to a comic or 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 another parent from a school, Um, and then there's also the fact of just like having mixed feelings about putting my kids in comics. Um, I try and really minimize. How much I refer to them by name or any identifying information, or or have them say anything that I think that they would feel bad about if when they're older and would see, I try and um, keep it pretty accurate, um, as insofar as like they're them as characters, but also, um, but but protect them at the same time, if that makes sense.
0: Yeah, I I have no such boundaries with my dog Ponyo. <laughs> Who's it, whose privacy is has been dashed
1: she's very honest uh, uh what's the word it is she's very yes. exposed yeah yeah she,
0: people people see her on the street they're like we know all about you <laughs>
1: your secrets have been laid bare um and then she rolls over is Panyo a she or he
0: you know what good question Panyo is i mean, I mean Panyo's a woman but uh Panya's kind of she's kind of genderqueer Kinda, that's kind
1: of. Awesome.
0: Whoever sees, usually people think Ponyo's a, a dude of a dog. Yeah. And that's yeah. kind of correct. Just kind of whatever, whatever people say. I don't I,
1: think it really matters. I guess I just ask because some people, some people get, um, get kind of upset if you misgender their dog, and which, I don't know why I give a shit about that. <laughs>
0: um. Well, I know. I mean, I know it because people will be like, "Oh, sorry," you know, when they yeah. say it. But Ponyo and I, we went to this gender camp in Berkeley called Rainbow Camp for kids. It's huh? for kids ages like 5 to 18. And it's it's huh? called Rainbow Camp, so it's all like gender queer, gender fluid kids, and then they're, they're like trans yeah. kids, and their um, and or their siblings come there uh-huh. too. And I brought Ponyo, I was doing interviews with kids for this project, and kid, but the little kids really wanted to categorize her. They were like, huh. is yeah. Ponyo a boy or a girl? And I was like, Ponyo's whatever you want. Ponyo's gender yeah. queer. And they were like, but was Panyo born a boy <laughs> or a girl? Like they really I was so in, I was so interesting, and yeah. one of the counselors told me like the little kids really want categorization. Like no matter oh, what yeah. the answer is, they want to know.
1: Oh, totally. They were so yeah,
0: uncomfortable yeah. with fluidity.
1: It's very important for a certain age to 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 really nail that down. But Panya's gender is dog, right? Yeah. So that's,
0: that's I mean that was kind of the point. Like when I when I got her, everyone was trying sort to of princess her up because she's a Chihuahua. And I was like, this, like at the at the pound, they were like, "Oh, you're gonna get some pink oh, marabou yeah. for your little princess." And I, I was just like, "I think I want this dog's gender to be dog. I want this dog to be whatever yeah, yeah. it's gonna be." So.
1: Yeah, yeah. Just be yourself, dog. Don't let the canine gender binary be imposed on you by anybody. No. Um, but you know, with kids, it's like it's I don't know a million times worse. I think. In um, so far, I mean. Not speaking from my own experience, although I, you know, I could say a lot about that, but just, I have, I have two kids and, uh, one is a boy and one is a girl. Um, and just the way that people treat them or if people ever, God forbid, misgender them, I don't care. You know, I don't, I generally won't even correct people if they misgender my kids. Cause I think that's something for them to do. If that's something that they want to do, um, they can correct people. Um, but occasionally like, you know, someone will talk about, Oh, you're, you know, your beautiful girl and blah blah blah, and then I will just say his name, for instance, or or just you know not intentionally, but just yeah. you know because, of, and like, oh my god, I'm so so sorry, you know, ah, but I don't, you know, it's not it's not important to me. And what does that what does that mean anyway? It's like would you have treated my son differently if you had known he was a boy? Would he have treated my daughter differently if you knew she was a girl? Um, and it's not like we intentionally try to obfuscate their gender or anything like that, but we just you know they do what they want to do and they dress in the clothes that they have and want and. uh you know, so yeah.
0: Can I? I'm gonna just ask. That. I'm gonna ask you a kid-based question. One of my friends sent it. Yeah. She said, "I just want to know if her kid was a fucking nightmare at age three, and how did she handle it all?" <laughs> 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 this is from a friend of mine who is raising a three-year-old right now. <laughs>
1: uh-huh. Yeah, yeah. Um, well, the older one was, and the younger one is uh, a nightmare at age three. No, it's a, it is tough. <laughs> it's a tough age. Um, the terrible twos is kind of a misnomer. The twos are pretty are pretty blissful, at least for for my kids. And then um, as my youngest is approaching three, he's really starting to uh, have big thoughts and big feelings, um, and just breaks down a lot. And um, I mean, it's 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 hard. It's certainly hard. But you know, I it's it's there's two sides of the coin. You know, it's also uh, at that's that that's the age where they start to develop like little personalities and and learn how to express their emotions and their desires and their needs and that can be so cool too um to have a, a kid who's like two and a half or three uh express like a complex opinion or thought or idea is like mind-boggling you know someone that little can have big thoughts it's pretty special but yeah sometimes that can be absolutely maddening um And like, I don't care that you don't want to get in the car. That's not like what we're talking about right now. We're talking about the fact that you are going to be in the car and we're going to drive you to school and mommy's going to go to work. And, you know, so but they don't care. They just don't want that. And, yeah, yeah, yes, it's hard. But but I love it.
0: So would you just you kind of just you just do the thing anyway and then just let them have their feelings about it. And then that's just what's going to happen.
1: Yeah, yeah, and there's a you know there's also the piece of acknowledging their feelings, and this it's it's a really great parenting trick, and it's also a really great human being adult trick. But like I, I hear you. I you know I, you're expressing your feelings, and I respect that. And um and and now we're gonna do. Something else. You know? <laughs> like, I can tell you're having really big feelings right now. Um, I, these are things I often want to say to adults like, I can see you're having a hard time right now. Do you need a little bit of space? You know, but you can't use that tone of voice or that language, but. You know that you kind of can do that with adults too. It really uh, it helps smooth over some things.
0: I would love that. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so he said, Nicole. It seems like you're having some big feelings right now. You need some space. i like, you know what? Don't patronize me. But yes, I do need some space. <laughs> yeah.
1: Are you having a hard time? I know it's hard. Sometimes things are hard, aren't they?
0: <laughs> I'd be like, thank you for noticing. It's very yeah. hard. <laughs> well, um, I I kind of feel like I mean. I'm, I'm assuming they make an assumption my assumption is that you've dealt with depression and anxiety so you've probably had as i have a bit of therapy in your life oh yeah um and so now you can be like a healthier person and a good communicator and stuff i do want to say i forgot to say this before i i wasn't some comics thing where there was this guy who was like this this cool comics guy and i mentioned going to therapy and he totally was like you know like i'm cool i don't care if you go to therapy like I don't think it's weird. <laughs> and I was like, what are you talking, I guess, cause like for me being in queer land, if you don't go to therapy, yeah. what's the matter with you? Like, I just, right. yeah. I'm just like, who doesn't, who has never been to therapy? What must their life be like? Right. I don't understand.
1: But no, he was trying I to, don't understand it either.
0: he was trying to like, you know, um, like, um, reverse psychology kind of like
1: uh-huh.
0: shame me for going to be like, I, you know, a lot of people would care about that, but I don't care. <laughs> Oh, bless you.
1: You know, all those people who say you're really annoying, they're not there. It's not true. It's like that weird backhanded compliment kind of thing.
0: Well, have you heard of this thing? It's called negging. It's from the the pickup artist community.
1: (laughs) Yeah, yeah.
0: Let me explain it for listeners. It's like it's from the pickup artist community. It's from um, The Game, which is their book, which looks like the Bible. It's kind of incredible. It was printed (laughs) with a leathery cover like the Bible, and it's embossed in there. And then it has like the gold... The gold ribbon that you can use to hold your place. Uh, When you talk about approaching a girl and just saying something that's like a low key insult to make her want to show you that she's good enough for you. So, you know, you'll, yeah, like that kind of thing. Like, oh, you know, like I've seen a lot of girls with their nails that way. Or like, oh, you'd be really pretty without glasses. Like, or like, you know, I don't care that you go to therapy, not like most people.
1: I just I have a hard time believing that works. Does it work? I I mean, I I, don't know. I just don't know. I mean, it doesn't work. I mean, I I can't <laughs> imagine anyone saying something like that to me and me not just walking walking away, or just saying "f you." Yeah. Um, but does that work? I mean, I, I think don't
0: know. It, I think it must in some way. But I you know it's yeah. like a deep it's like a deeper level of straight land that yeah. I am familiar. with. It's like straight land bar culture meets Uh magician culture because the guy that wrote (laughs) the game is part of the magic the magician community Uh so this is like a next level straight zone that i've never really encountered (laughs) magician (laughs) barflies
1: wow yeah i mean definitely um i mean queer people have their own things going on for sure but i don't think it's that it feels like nefarious or like
0: like diabolical
1: yeah it does feel diabolical like Hmm, let me reduce this all to an equation and that you can solve and that's just disgusting to me. But Sorry. I, I actually mean, I'm, not, I'm okay, okay if people are straight, but I just don't want it that culture just shoved down my throat, you know? No, no
0: it's like a weird dominance thing and like yeah, like yeah. getting someone off their guard. I was like, yeah. oh, that doesn't seem like connection to me, which is kind of
1: No. But that's not their goal anyway, is it? i it's just yeah. their goal is just getting laid, I think.
0: It is that's true. It's
1: not like, oh I'm you know, I want to find a, like a really cool person that I want to spend the rest of my life with, I think. So what? So what I did
0: <laughs> was I spilled a drink on her and then insulted her hair.
1: <laughs> <laughs> and I do. <laughs> <So we're just laughs>
0: this like speeches at the wedding. Oh god, yeah. I remember when he. <laughs> you told her he didn't mind the way she looked. Okay, um, but she I. Is the best. Oh, I brought up therapy because yeah. I was looking at your comic of a lifetime of coming out and mm-hmm. um you know it's just like you coming out like or, or a character coming out i guess i, sh- I should never assume they ca- ca- they're all autobiographical i'm just as an autobiographer i'm just like was well, everyone like yeah, me
1: that one is it usually is but i draw if i draw someone that looks like that it's usually autobiographical but it's it's, so sorry.
0: it's coming out as a bunch it's like you know coming out as queer coming out as trans coming out as having anxiety and then um reading this i guess it made me wonder do you have advice for how to have hard conversations or do you have have do you have advice about how to have hard conversations with people
1: um wow
0: or had or do you have advice for coming out i mean those the answer could be the same thing but it seems like you've had a lot of really intense conversations a lot of people are scared to have
1: yeah um gosh i would just i mean i think one thing i would say is it's okay that it's hard and it's okay that it's scary. And that shouldn't in and of itself be a reason to not have a hard conversation. Um, because, you know, even like as myself, I've come out and, you know, to so many different people in so many different ways. Um, it never stops being hard. You know, it still is terrifying every single time. Um, and that's okay. Um, and I think I, I, I think I see it as something that you have to kind of force yourself to do because it doesn't come naturally. And being like uh, brutally honest about yourself and really opening up is not easy. Um, If it were, everyone would do it. But, uh, but the payoff is so good. I think I'm not saying that every time you like, for instance, come out to somebody that it's going to be great because surely, uh, you know, there's always times when it sucks and when the reaction is bad, but, I think overall living honestly and and being open about yourself is is ultimately a good thing because regardless of how the other person reacts you are cementing more uh yourself your sense of self and your self-worth um and becoming more of a fully formed human being and I think that's the ultimate goal um oh. I definitely hope that I am a fully formed human being before I die <laughs> Maybe right up to the day, you know, maybe it'll all come together and then so long, suckers.
0: You skate in there and you're like, I I did it at the last minute. (laughs) This is so topical. I really have been dealing with the idea of just telling people how you feel and letting go of the results. Yeah. And just that practice, you know, of of appearing and not making yourself smaller or not hiding yourself and just be like, here's who I am. And then letting the cards fall where they may
1: yeah but it's hard because you don't know how they're gonna fall it's right? so and,
0: hard i would love to control how everything goes
1: yeah that would be awesome i think that that's that sh- that, <laughs> <laughs> that would make life super super easy um
0: if i had that power
1: yeah which no. I,
0: I do not but i it would be incredible if i just like i think i could like i think i know exactly how to act so i know how to make this person act the way i want them to but that's not actually
1: <laughs> true or honest or anything i
0: yeah. um, You've been making comics for a billion years.
1: Is that true? Mm-hmm. Yeah, pretty much a billion years. Um, I've been drawing comics since I was really little. Since probably I was like five or six, that I probably the earliest, uh, the earliest examples of comics that I drew. But I did take a big break. I stopped drawing comics um, for a really pretty long period of time when I uh, I thought they were, I thought art was just kind of dumb and useless. I um, oh. was taking time away from more more important things. Uh, How old were you when I stopped? Yeah. Um. Well, I I mean I've always done some sort of creative outlet I guess to be fair but uh but comics I I probably stopped drawing comics in like mid adolescence probably like around 14, 15 and then um or maybe that's early adolescence and then didn't really pick it back up until until my mid twenties, which is when I really just started to get my shit together again. And when, uh, and just started to, um, and, and, and when I just kind of needed a different type of creative outlet and was looking for something else um, to do. And it just sort of naturally came back to me. Um, but yeah, no, there was a big long chunk of my life um, where I, it was like my useless period um, where I didn't do anything of value, uh, and didn't have any sort of self-worth. Um, and my depression was at its, at its worst. And I kind of just hated myself. It's a shitty place to be.
0: Oh God. Uh, yeah. How did Uh, you make it through?
1: Oh, I think honestly, just luck. Um, I was, it was during that time when I was really, uh, like engaging in a lot of self-destructive behavior. um, Like a lot of self medicating with drugs and alcohol, um, uh, and and also some more kind of uh, like cutting and things like that, self self harm behavior, which I still find have a really hard time talking about, um, even just like mentioning in a sort of casual conversation like this. Um, uh, Yeah, depression sucks so bad. Um, and for me, you know, there was a lot of different things tied up in it. Um, uh, and I thought, I, for a long time, I thought, oh, it's all about my gender, you know, like, um, I'm, you know, being forced by society to live as a guy and that doesn't feel right to me, um, but it's just my lot in life and, oh, well, my life sucks and this is just the way it has to be. Um, and, you know, eventually that line of thinking um, prompted me to, to start transitioning. Um, but you know, it wasn't, that wasn't the only factor. I mean, I also just still had depression, which is kind of like an illness. I mean, I don't know how to describe it for, I, I would never try to describe anyone else's relationship with their mind and, and, or depression, but for me, it definitely, feels like a disease and I take antidepressants and that combined with a uh, whole lot of self reflection and therapy and other types of internal work, um, have got me to a place where I I feel good about life and I overall just really like life and um, also got me away from the really heavy drug and alcohol use that uh, was a big part of my life. Um, so yeah, I still drink recreationally, but that's why I was like, oh, it's a complicated question. But
0: oh yeah, sorry, you know, I wasn't trying to pry. I just I'll. I- oh, I only asked because it was in the comic. You your character is like, oh, I spent most of my twenties drunk and on drugs. Yeah. And I was was
1: like, oh. Yeah, Yeah, it was. No, that was that was again, that was the useless period. I just like I didn't do anything productive or constructive It was a big waste of time. But it wasn't a a waste. I mean, it was part of what led me to be who I am today. And um, although I think there's much better routes to take and I would never recommend anybody just like, well, I guess I should just get messed up all the time. Um,
0: Try hitting rock
1: bottom and then see where you go. Yeah, yeah and and you know when and when I was in my 20s things were a lot different um, not to sound like an old lady but it's true I mean the internet was 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 nascent there was hardly I mean the the web had just like barely come out and like so in 96 I was uh, 22 I think of 96 is kind of when the internet just first kind of was like the web and all that oh, yeah. um, so you know prior to that there was there wasn't a lot of informational resources for for queer people much less trans people specifically so um you know it took it took a while like now you know five-year-olds can know what what trans means or or whatever shade of queer means but um for me it was and for people of my generation that was not that's not how it worked you know there it was still very secret and very codified unless you were you know, lucky enough to be in a, uh, a situation or a culture where that was more open, but I was not, I was raised in a very conservative town, um, in a very religious community. And, uh, so that was not an option. It wasn't. That's the worst. One of the paths.
0: So how did you even know that there were other people like you?
1: Well, I didn't really, I mean, for a long time. Um, I mean, I, I knew my I knew my deal from a really young age. Like, I I knew that something was wrong, and I knew um, that I wasn't uh, being able to live my true gender um, from a very, very young age. But I didn't know that that was like a thing or an okay thing or something that people really uh, could do, or that could be something that was was their their deal. Um, And then, you know, then I would see people out in the world very occasionally or, or on TV on like, you know, the daytime talk shows, um, or, or, uh, or like sitcoms. And it was always trans people were always played for ridicule. Um, and never in any sort of positive light. So the more I saw that, the more I shoved all those feelings down and just was like, Oh man, I can never let this get out. I cannot let anyone know that this is who I am and how I feel. Um, that's really really bad for, for your brain um, cramming feelings big big feelings like that into um, a little tiny forming brain is a, is a recipe for for disaster so
0: oh my god you needed uh, somebody to say hey it looks like you're having a hard time yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> no, I can tell you're really having a hard time right now um yeah that would have been great that would have been really great no and and so honestly it wasn't until I uh, until I was in my Like 20s into my mid to late 20s, where I started to even sort of feel it out as a as a thing, or start to understand it, you know, transness as a thing, Um, and I started to see like positive representations in, uh, well, I mean, not not in media so much. I mean, not in fictional media, or you know, I would read I would read like articles in newspapers about uh, about people who were trans, and I'd be like, holy shit, this is okay. Like, you know, these people are they transitioned and they're alive and they're happy and wow that's that's really cool um yeah big defining moment for me was i was i think it was the portland zine symposium i was up there um uh like this was before you know before i transitioned and while i was still like sort of roiling around in my brain um and i went to um I had a day to myself and I, you know, I like to take time to myself and I took myself out to breakfast. Uh, I think it was the day after the show or maybe I think it was, or it might've been the Sunday of the show. It doesn't matter. But there's, uh, there's this awesome breakfast joint on. Oh, shoot. It's been so long since i have been to Portland. I can't remember all this. you
0: describe it, I can tell you anything.
1: Yeah, it was, um, it was not Morrison.
0: Was it Junior's?
1: No. The velvety wallpaper? No, I don't think so. It's like in a pretty big uh like big commercial area. Ooh. Uh what's like the main like one of the main drags? Burnside.
0: South, Burnside. Oh, South Hawthorne, South. Belmont. Hawthorne.
1: Yeah, so it's on Hawthorne. I was on Hawthorne? Yeah. Um I want to say like maybe around like 20th. Does that sound? That right? sounds
0: it sounds real that there definitely is a breakfast <laughs> place there. I can't remember what it's called yeah. either though.
1: There's a really good one, and I was um, enjoying an awesome croissant sandwich with with egg and cheese on it, and um, and yeah, I was reading the Willamette Weekly, and they had like the best the best of the whatever whatever they call it, and there was an a, a, a small article about this uh, bike shop owner. Uh, my
0: friend Molly Cameron.
1: Yeah, 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 and it was about her, and I was like, oh my god, this person transitioned and they are like, they're okay. Like they're not, they're, they're not only like just, okay, they seem like really happy and like, like successful. And I don't, honestly, I probably is projecting a lot on it. I don't know. Like I wouldn't make any assumptions about her life now or then or whatever, but, but at the time it seemed like, holy shit, you know? So, so that was really huge for me. So I saw that. And then suddenly I started seeing these other representations of people like, uh, Danny Leon, who, uh, is like a musician and writer. I really respect. Um, came out in her column in the guardian and uh san francisco guardian and just like i just suddenly it was like oh my god there people are out there and then it um i i realized it was something i could do and then i had essentially a nervous breakdown when i realized that it was gonna it was gonna happen and um that uh i was either gonna transition or 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 that was my only option. basically. Yeah. I mean I don't I don't want to get too dark, but it, but for me it was like if I want to keep living I'm gonna to have to transition. So
0: <laughs> not to be a Seinfeld. But have you ever noticed that I never try to sell you blue apron on the podcast or that we do not disparage and bemoan trips to the post office in favor of stamps.com? Well, it is because we have no advertisers. zero. Producer Chris, Producer Ponyo, and myself do this out of the goodness of our hearts because we like it. If you would like to tip Producer Chris Sutton, who dedicates hours to this series every week, please, 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 please send your tip of $5, $10, who knows how much. That's your business via PayPal to hornetleg at gmail.com. That is hornet, like the insect, leg, like one of his appendages, at gmail.com. If you do this, we will read your name on the podcast. Isn't that exciting? We may have advertisers someday and we'll rant and rave about free sex toys and mattresses and blue apron and whatever. But in the meantime, thank you. We appreciate your support and I look forward to saying your name on the podcast. Producer Ponyo looks forward to it too. That was Ponyo's voice. Don't be scared. Bye thank you this week to Shoshana Ruth Webster, Mary Pinson, Jamie Beth Rabin, and Jen Dixon. Your comics are so clear. They're so easy. They're like literally so clear. So easy to read. They're so straightforward. You're such a good storyteller. You're so good at just like getting to the point of the story that there was something so accessible about it and I really, really enjoyed it.
1: Well, thanks. Yeah, that's I I wanted it to be something that um that people could just get and not feel talked at or or lectured about necessarily. I just wanted it to be kind of slice of life. Um but I mean to to kind of bring it back to the comic side of things. Um I I mean my my greatest influence art and writing style is uh, is daily comic strips because that's what I grew up reading all the time. Like I was you know, I had a mild interest in comic books, but mostly it was this, the Daily Strip. So, so I was like raised on a diet of those short stories. I mean, they're all like time. Mean, it's a joke, right? But it's also a story. I mean, every every good joke is also a story, in my opinion. So, um, so when I went to to write this this memoir, I guess you'd call it or whatever, um, I wanted it to sort of have that feel and that pacing to it, um, yeah. where there's a little, you know six panel eight panel story you know just a little vignette and, and has a beginning and a middle and an end and you know maybe it's a punchline or maybe it's a, a sad punchline i don't know what the opposite of a sad punchline is but i tried to keep it kind of light all in all um yeah and so i was really happy with the way that turned out and i was always i've, I've been really happy that um even a lot of kids have gotten into it not that every part of it is totally kid friendly but like I've known a lot of young people who aren't trans or queer, necessarily, or they know, but that um, that have gotten into it and read it. And that makes me <laughs> really happy, well, I more than anyone else reading it.
0: I don't, I don't find comics to be the most progressive place as like yeah. a space in the world. And so it's really nice, like because it was almost like you were like a Trojan horse. You know, because we are like, <laughs> this looks like comic strips. I've read this person's strips before and laughed at some secular humor. Yeah. And then... They were reading, you know, the same kind of style and humor about, about something, you know, about a kind of person that maybe they didn't know that they knew or had never met before. Yeah. Which I kind of, I mean, I yeah. I feel like that's one of my, like, you know, low-key goals all the time, too, in comics or things. It's like, oh, uh-huh. maybe you don't know a queer person, but you're reading this comic and you feel attached to this character because it's autobiographical, and then maybe you think of me when you vote on something that affects me. Yes. or yeah. Or you, you hear someone, you know queer bashing maybe you feel like you know a gay person because you read my books and i'm the only gay person you know
1: yeah yeah that's huge i mean i think representation does a lot to further social change and um you know that wasn't like an explicit goal of mine but it definitely it worked that way for me you know i've talked to lots of people who hadn't done it before i love that trojan horse analogy like i hadn't really thought of it that way but yeah i mean i for for a handful of years before that i was just doing straight gag comics and like ah you know this is something that anyone with kind of a weird sense of humor can can appreciate and then yeah i just kind of snuck that in i was like but it was a big shift for me because i hadn't really done any auto bio prior to that um and i didn't really know how it was going to go or how it was going to be received or how i could even handle it it was really it was hard it's really (laughs) it's really hard to do auto bio i don't think people understand how uh how when you're really putting yourself out there like that you there's a lot to a lot to think about you know you are really if you're when you're saying this is me and you're basically breaking yourself down to like a literal caricature um and you can't possibly put in all the nuance of what's like going on in your mind or all the experiences that led up to something and uh and you really do have to simplify like complicated topics or 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 experiences or or thought processes that uh, you have, you have to like trim them down into something that's lead, readable, you know? I mean, um, that's why it's, you know, it's memoir. It's not a, it's not a recording of, of a conversation you had, you know, you have to make some choices and, and cut some things out or, you know, combine certain things to make it a story. Um, but then there's a lot of really big decisions in there about like, how, how am I being seen? And it's not, you know, it's, and, and being honest, cause you still want to be honest with it all. You know, it's not about trying to change history or, or, uh, or color things in a different way but you just uh you have to you have to have really you have to think about that and that's it's huge it's really huge and it's really makes it at least for me I mean again I can't speak for everybody who does autobiographical work but I feel really vulnerable whenever I put something out that's about me because it's it's me I'm just putting myself I'm putting myself out there not just yeah. some silly little joke I thought of
0: I almost, I almost wonder if I like disassociate from it or something. I mean, there's just like something about the magnitude of it that I just, my brain can't hold at the same time
1: Uh after
0: I put something out there, you know, like if somebody comes up to me who doesn't know me very well and is like, how does it feel for so many people to be reading your secrets? Yeah, (laughs) And I'm just like, I just try not to think about it.
1: (laughs) I don't know what to say. That's that's probably a good way to think about it, (laughs) honestly. Um, yeah, no, I, I still kind of freak out about it. I mean, I freak about I freak out about, just so you know, even being out there. I mean, I'm happy that um, it's still out there. And I put it online for free a long time ago, um, and it still sits up there online for free because I don't print it out anymore. But anyone can go to my website and read it um, oh, great. for free because um, <clears throat> I, I do want it to be sort of a, a resource if people want it, and I don't want to have to charge people to access that resource. Um But yeah, it it does. It gives me anxiety. I mean, I think there's also the piece too about that one in particular that is about uh, me and gender and you know my gender and my sexuality and about my relationship with my partner, uh, my wife. Um, So there's that, and there's the fact that you know, again, I'm not I'm not out as trans in every aspect of my life. Like I don't. It's not. It's not something I lead with. It's something I usually tell people once I get to know them. Um, a little bit, and when it's relevant. And yet, if somebody finds out first that I, you know that I'm a cartoonist, they sometimes will stumble across that information, and then that can be kind of awkward. Um, so I'm always just kind of coming to terms with. Sometimes you're out by choice, and sometimes you're out by circumstance. But
0: yeah. Uh, well, I think after it came out, I was like, "It's this is me from afar as a reader." I was like, yeah. It's I, I kind of was like, I feel I was like, it seems like. She's not gonna go there again. It's like it seems like she said the things mm. she didn't say in her comics are not gonna go there anymore. You know, because it didn't yeah. turn into like a longer thing. Right. But then I was so happy to see I mean, especially after this horrible election and everything last year. Yeah. I was so happy to see your comics about trans things on the nip and to see, you know, I don't know. I was I was so happy to see some of your political work and your kind of, you know, blending of the personal and political
1: work. Yeah. No. Thanks. I think I, I think it's important now because of the way things are politically in our dumpster fire of a country to 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 kind of be out about some of that stuff again, and um, for all of us to sort of talk about for all of us who are are not uh, in support of that sort of regressive political side um, that's somehow so popular right now. Um, it's important to just talk about it and be out for whoever can and and. Um, is willing to, yeah, because I, I want to make sure our voices are still are still loud and still heard, and that we're not, you know, we're not muffled by by a repressive society. Um, it seems like it really wants to take a toehold. Um, yeah,
0: you well. know,
1: talks of of words being banned on, a, on the a, in the federal government and things like that. It's like, are you kidding me? Like, we can't have, you know, we can't have that. Like, the cat's out of the bag. So we like. Or whatever, or the genie's out of the bottle. But you know, we we got to make sure that it stays that way. I I feel like, yeah, especially as a queer person, I think. Oh yeah, for sure. My rights.
0: (laughs) No, but then especially like right after the election, I was like, oh my god, I'm so privileged because I was thinking about all these people that are so stressed out about being deported. um, Yeah, yeah. Like getting stuck at the airports, but then also like kids. Like, kids not being able to use the bathroom and the president being like, that's right. I'm yeah, taking away your protections. And I just felt so privileged that I was like, I'm going to use my voice as loud as I can. And maybe I'll see you guys at some kind of internment camp. I don't know. But I'm going to do what I got to do while I still can. And, and Right. Maybe that's yeah. dramatic. But here we are. Um, no, but- I... Yeah. Go ahead. Oh well. Somebody, uh, a friend of mine asked an advice question for you, which was, "How do you detach from internet trolls from outside and inside your community?"
1: Oh wow. Um, it's hard. It's hard. Um, I I don't get a lot of negativity. Um, I kind of stay away from a lot of things. Like I I I don't. Like I just recently realized that people comment on posts on the nibs Instagram account as like a kind of convoluted sentence. But, um, I was like, Oh, that's, I kind of forgot that the nib had an Instagram account. I should check it out. Oh, and there's my comic. I know there's, you know, 50 comments on this one and, Oh, you know, (laughs) a quarter of them are horrible. And so I just, you know, I just was reminded to stay away from that. Um, yeah, I don't, I try not to engage people. Um, I don't give them the time of day or the you know the, I don't give them respect if I'm not getting any from them certainly I mean I will engage in conversation occasionally if somebody seems receptive to it um, or if I need to you know call someone out within my community and I've had that um, happen before where I've seen somebody in the comics community say something not disrespectful to me per se but something that is uh, maybe just kind of disrespectful to to queer people in one way or another um, and maybe not ill-intentioned but just bad and lazy and um and so you know i'll call people out and usually it's pretty positive but um no i just don't engage i mean the only really social media that i have an active presence on is twitter which in some ways is sort of the worst of the batch um but in some ways it's not because it's it's really easy to block people and it's really easy to just kind of uh create The community you want on there and if someone's being shitty you just block them or you know report them if you have to um and then move on and but yeah nothing's perfect online there's always Mm -hmm. trolls online there's always bad people online so just minimizing that is how what i do harm reduction harm reduction yeah exactly exactly i
0: also i don't i try not to read comments i just don't those people have nothing to do with real life or way real life
1: that's true yeah the good or the bad No, it's true. I mean, the good, the good ones are good. I like, I like reading positive comments. (laughs) That's the thing is like, I want to find those if I only I could just filter those out. Um, You know, I like when people tell me I'm, I'm a good person or a funny person or whatever. Um, But I don't know, it's all we're all just still figuring it out, right? I mean, there's, the internet is still pretty new. It feels like sometimes I feel like what the heck what are we doing this is crazy we're setting ourselves up to be like emotionally destroyed on a daily basis if we're not careful
0: oh my god I I have such an addiction I actually the other day I was at this like gay community center and i saw this postcard that said are you addicted to apps and i picked i was like yes (laughs) like i thought maybe it was a 12-step meeting for instagram or something but i turned it up it was all it was a sex addiction meeting for guys attached to grinder and i was like oh man (laughs) like i i I picked it up and i was like yes i was like i can't wait to go to this thing and then i was like oh i'm not addicted to having sex with men off of grinder this is not for me
1: oh it's not about having appetizers at the restaurant I am so into that oh I love
0: apps let's just all let's get all apps, apps. <laughs>
1: yeah
0: <laughs> forget the mains we're just getting apps yeah. oh my god I feel like karma is coming back for me because I did a podcast interview I was interviewed by a guy for a comics podcast he was so congested and in my mind I was like uh-huh. is every man in comics congested all the time because it just is like that very like Simpsons comic that guy like actually like that kind of voice yeah. but now that yeah. is me yeah. he is me
1: That's yeah, you it's okay. You can fix it in post. You can just put on the <laughs> the decongestion filter.
0: I'll have my producer, Chris, just like add some airflow through my nostrils to make it a little bit better. Yeah.
1: And there you go. Yeah. Yeah.
0: That's awesome. Uh, da, da, da. Do you have any advice for old cartoonists? I usually ask people, well, do you have advice for young cartoonists, which I'm also open to, but.
1: Uh-huh. Um, are, you, are you asking me that because I'm an old cartoonist?
0: Uh... <laughs> I, I guess I, I guess I, I guess I got tired of asking people advice for young cartoonists, and then I realized yeah. with certain people, I'm like, we both been making comics a long time.
1: Yeah. What's
0: your best advice?
1: Well, I mean, I would hope if you're, if you're an old cartoonist or an older cartoonist or what have you, um, that you won't wouldn't really need any advice. I mean, if you're still doing it, if you're still drawing comics and you're like not in your early twenties, like bully for you or whatever you say, props to you, hats off. <laughs> Old people. Um,
0: <laughs> I tip my hat uh, to you, sir. Yeah.
1: Well, I think because by the time you're okay, so full disclosure, I'm 43. Um, so I, I mean, I feel like uh, for me, once I kind of got into my late 30s, early 40s, I really, I don't do a lot that I don't want to do. I like, I feel like a big uh, sort of flaw of one's 20s is feeling like uh you have to hang out with certain people or you have to do certain types of events or activities or like i can't tell you how many times in my 20s i was dragged to like a party or a show that i had zero interest in going to and completely regretted it the entire time um and now i'm just like fuck that can i swear i've been swearing a lot oh before. you could so you could swear go ahead okay cool because that's part of my It's part of my brand. Um, No. So now I'm just like, fuck it. Like, I don't want to do that, you know, because there's lots of things in life you can't opt out of. But um, but the things that you have a choice, like I exercise that to its fullest. Um, And so that's why, like, I draw comics because I want to draw comics. And if it ever becomes uh, boring or onerous or, or something that does not bring me joy, I will just stop. That'll, I'll just be done. That's okay. Bye. See you later. Like, no regrets. Um, so I guess that would be my one piece of advice to anyone who's, you know, older uh, and drawing comics. Just don't, don't do it if you're not enjoying it. Get the hell out of that game. Um, but What's your advice for
0: young cartoonists, Ed?
1: Uh, for young cartoonists? Uh, that's a good one. Um, the only thing I can ever say is just draw. You just have to draw or write or whatever part of it is you want to do, but uh, or, or just or don't, but don't say you want to do it because there's the barrier between thinking about doing something and doing it is very is very low in, in comics particularly because you can draw on anything. I mean, I started drawing my comics on the back of uh, like these calendars at a bar. I used to go to this bar called the Starry Plow and I go by myself and get a couple of drinks and and just sit and draw with like a ballpoint pen on the back of these calendars and that was like my first my first book was like from drawings um, on those calendars. So um, and just self-published book, not like, you know, to my first mini comic I should say. But uh but yeah, there's just there's just no there's just no reason not to do it. Because it just t- it takes it takes practice and it takes time. Um, And nobody is like a fully formed, perfect cartoonist from, from go, or you could be like me and you could be in your forties and still kind of suck, but find your niche. And like, I'm not a great, I'm not a great artist and I'm, uh, you know, I'm not the world's most brilliant writer, but I think I'm pretty funny and I can draw drawings that work enough for my drawings that enough people like them and they end up you know in people's hands and in front of people's eyes and that's all it is i mean i don't mean to be self-deprecating in that um but you know i think i'm also not i'm not uh, i don't have any false conceptions about myself as being like this like brilliant artiste i just kind of draw little silly pictures and sometimes they make people laugh that's all i really want is to make some people laugh sometimes